Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. And so would you join me by standing and let's welcome Pastor Taylor Stewart, our founding pastor. All right, that was a lot of fun last night. It'd be easy to recap all that. We're going to try to get in the Word. We're going to try to be done around uh, 233-ish. Um, so anyway, we're really going to try to do, to do well here. So uh, a lot of pleasantries that could be said, but we do bring greetings from North Carolina. But uh, can we get in the Word? Is it okay? Again, there's a lot of chit-chatting we could do, but I know that uh, you may want to get out of here before the Lord returns. So anyway... Isn't it great to be able to have fun in church? Even the name, Life in the Son. You know, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son, S-O-N. And God gave that name by the Spirit. And it so typifies and speaks of our character and our, our, our nature here. Is that, yes, there's a commitment to pure doctrine, but there's the dynamic of the Spirit. There's just the life, the zoe of God. Life is too short to be miserable and to be, to be down. I mean, we can have circumstances that aren't favorable, but it's like, bless God, in spite of that, I'm going to be a happy camper. I'm going to put on my praise. I'm going to do the Habakkuk thing, even though the fig tree doesn't bud, yet I will praise the Lord, you know. So I just, I commend that that Spirit is on you, is contagious. I wish some of that could get on the main in a little bit, but at any rate, pray for us. Pray, would you, would you please pray, pray for the mainland. Oh, my Jesus. Um, All right. Hebrews 11 here this morning. Uh, This is a familiar text, but if we're not careful, we will glaze over familiar text. Yeah, I've heard that. I know that. So don't allow the familiarity to uh, escape you from hearing it as if you're reading it for the first time. Matter of fact, when we read the Word, say, God, help me to read the Word with fresh eyes and show me wonderful things in your law. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is being sure, let's say this out loud together, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We might also add what we don't feel. In other words, it's, faith is not always sensory, but it's still substantive. Are we here? I mean, you're banking everything. Do you realize you're banking everything on a promise? Everything. I'm born again. Really prove it. There's no BA degree born again that comes down from heaven, but you know in your knower, you know in your gut, you're saved. You know you're a, you know you're a child of God. So certain of what we do not see, or we might say do not feel, this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then the narrative goes on to list multiple examples of of extraordinary faith. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. Gideon. Barak. Samson. Jephthah. David. Samuel. The prophet. By faith, Mark. By faith, Terry. By faith, Elmore. By faith, Nario. And so the life they lived, which was by faith, is the same life we're exhorted to live today, the ancients were commended for it. So if they were commended for it, we'll be likewise commended for it today. And it concludes this list with amazing, heroic stories of people and what they did, conquers 
uh, kingdoms that they conquered and exploits that they achieved all by faith. Some of them lived by faith and never even saw the full promise or the full fruition of what they were believing for, but they were all commended for their faith. And think of it, this was in the Old Covenant. Think how much more on this side of the cross should we not be men and women of extravagant, vibrant, living faith. Amen? And so you go down a little further in this chapter, and the author of Hebrews powerfully states in verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. That would be helpful first, wouldn't it? Must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those that diligently seek Him. He exists, and because He does, I will go after Him. I will be in His face. I am going to get whatever it is He wants me to have as a son. I can pull my chair up to the table. I'm not going to be miserly. I'm not going to be timid. I belong at the table. I believe that He exists, and He's going to reward those that diligently press, 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 not because I have to, oh, because I get to. I cannot wait to get around that wonderful man, Jesus Christ. He is so beautiful and so lovely and so awesome. And in our gospel presentation, it's imperative that we preach the pearl of great price. He's so beautiful. He's so awesome. The heck with my drugs. The heck with my immorality. Would you get a look at that pearl? Now, religion will say, don't do this, don't do that, can't do this. There's no glory in that. Our faith is, look at that lovely man, Christ. And there's a new motivation, new desires. So, you know, just say no to drugs. I mean, it's fine. It's not wrong. It's just incomplete. we got to just say yes to something else, higher and greater and bigger. Amen? And so he's going to reward those. Amen? And so, but it's all by faith. So we can deduce from this what pleases God. It is faith. Faith pleases the Lord. Now, theologians speak of the three big O's, omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. Omnipotence means that God is all-knowing. How many of you know or believe that He's all-knowing? That's what makes God God. He's just, He knows. Omniscient, or excuse me, uh, omnipotence, what did I say? Omnipotence is He's all-powerful, forgive me. Omniscience is He's everywhere. I mean, where can you go from His presence? So omnipotence is the almightiness of God. Omniscience is He knows everything. Omnipresence is He is everywhere. How can He do that? He's God. There's just a lot that He can do because He's God. And so when we say that God is omnipresent, we believe that He is here, that He is present. He's Jehovah Shammah, the God that is there. That even as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so our God surround the righteous. Amen? And He is here. He is among us. Goosebumps or not, theologically, it is true that God is here as we come together in His name. I don't feel anything. If you're not feeling anything here this morning, your wood's wet. All right? So, I mean, it's like, dear Lord, you know, and then last night. And so, but even if you didn't sense it, doesn't negate the, the theological truism that God is here. And and again, we love to feel Him, but in spite of it, He is stubborn about being here in a righteous way and in a holy way. And it's imperative that we understand that and believe that. He is the God who is there. He is the God who is here. He is present. 
We believe that theologically. We believe it objectively. Here's the catch, though. Sometimes we don't feel Him. Sometimes we just don't, subjectively. Is that true or not? How many of you come Monday sometimes, you're like, not only do I not feel, I mean, where's this worship team when I need them on Monday morning? You know, a lot of us, when we wake up on Monday morning, instead of good morning, Lord, it's like, dear Lord, it's morning, you know, so... And so we don't do what we do based on what we feel or what we don't feel. If we didn't, if we based our decisions on what we feel, we may not even get up. You know, it's like, I'm not going to get up. I got a flow. This, these covers and this bed, I mean, I'm in a flow right now. Rule number one, you don't break a flow. So I'm in a, you know, but in spite of how we feel, we've, we've got to go forward nonetheless. So sometimes the sensation is there. Sometimes the feeling is there. Sometimes they're not. Now, as far as the presence of the Lord, some of this is our doing. But in large part, it's His doing, which is important to understand. Now, certainly if we're given to prayer, we're given much to worship, if we walk upright and holy, these factors, among others, increase His felt presence, right? I mean, you can leave a context of prayer, and you're like, wow. I mean, it's like, I just... God just kissed me with His nearness. This is wonderful. In worship, on the back side of that, as we honor Him, He honors us. As we're bold in going up, He's bold in coming down. So these are just kind of obvious things. We understand that. But it's imperative that we believe that He's just as much present even when we don't feel it. There's a conscious presence of the Lord But do we realize there's also an unconscious presence of the Lord? Meaning, if I don't feel it, it doesn't mean He's not there. It just means I'm not feeling it. But many times, God in His sovereignty is the one who turns the spigot on and off. And sometimes He'll let you feel it in a very dramatic way. Other times, for our maturity, He'll withdraw it a little bit so that we'll walk by. Jacob thought in Genesis 28, 16, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was unaware of it. Many times, that's the case with us. I mean, how many of you know on your worst day, He's there? We think when everything's going well, man, God's here, God's pleased. Even on our best day, we're not as hot as we think we are. (laughs) But because He loves us unconditionally... Even on our worst day, He's there. He's omnipresent. He's not going to change His nature just because we had a bad day. You know, just because we stepped out of the Spirit and we moved in the flesh. And not that we give license to that, but we're human. And we get back up and we apply the blood and we go on. And we begin again. Amen? But even Jacob, one of the main patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as he was going up to the house of Bethel, he didn't know. He woke up. God was, I, I didn't know. And many times there are things going on all around us all the time. There are moves of God going on. We don't even know it. I mean, you think of Jesus on the cross. You had those two thieves. One of them recognized the move of God. The other didn't. One of them said, no, if you're the Christ, the Son of God, come down off that tree and deliver yourself and deliver us. The other was going, oh, Bubba, oh, oh, what do you, look, we're getting what we deserve. This man, he's done nothing. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Truly today you'll be with me in paradise. There was a move of God going on. 
One saw it, one did not. I'm just saying all that to say he's in the house. He's with us when we drive. He's there on Monday morning. He's there when you got cranky situations in the marketplace, at the workplace, when there's strange relationally in the family, when, when, when finances are, are crushing, when there's debilitation in our bodies. He's there. These things aren't fun, but He's there. David asked rhetorically in Psalm 139:7, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Love it. There's no escaping Him. You cannot escape the claw of God. <laughs> I love it when people run. You know, I don't know about you, but I had a praying mama, so I didn't have a chance. I'd be going off to school, and I'd see her curled up in her house coat praying, praying for me. And I'm convinced it was her prayers that drove a wedge between my soul and the world. So you may have someone this far off right now. That's all right. Do your battling in private. Release favor in public. Go into your prayer room and, I mean, go after God, go after heaven. And when you see them, just, hello. They have no idea that in private you're, when you see them, hello. You might as well just throw in the towel. Daddy's been praying for you. Your siblings has been praying for you. It's just a matter of time. You're going to come back hard and fast. Hard and fast. Thank God for it. In verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Now, obviously, for the believer, we easily embrace this. The author of Hebrews, a couple of chapters over in chapter 13, quoted Deuteronomy, declaring from God in Hebrews 13, 5b, he said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Does he stutter? No. Is he just kind of like, you know, trying to look for some Hallmark card inserts and just like a flowery rhetoric? All right, this sounds good. I mean, this word is majestic. There's some flowery portions of it, but it's real, and it's steel, and it's what gives us our backbone. It's what gives us our footing. It's what gives us that resoluteness when many times there can be blood in our eyes. We can't see our way forward, but it doesn't matter. I can't see it. I can't feel it. It doesn't matter. I'm walking by faith. It's not on me. It's on you, Lord. It's on you, and I am standing Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God spoke that over Joshua in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 31.6. In the New Testament, we find this steadfast assurance. Even in the Great Commission, closing out the very last verse of the Gospel of Matthew. We all know this. These are hallmark passages for us. Watershed passages. Matthew 28, 18-20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I will never leave you. I'm always with you. I will never leave you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. That excludes any breakdown of nearness from the Lord. Never leave, 
always with. Never leave, always with. And when you're feeling the crunch, no, 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 no. Never leave, always with. Can you say it out loud with me together? Never leave. So not only at the very end of Matthew, but also at the beginning of the very first chapter, Matthew 1, 23, Joseph's dream. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's no getting around the omnipresence of God. But again, the catch. Sometimes we feel him, sometimes we don't. Question, are you okay with that? Does it make us insecure or doubtful when we don't feel or sense Him all the time? Now, I personally prefer to feel Him 24-7. I love the presence of God. It's like, bring it. I love it. But God has His reasons that sometimes we don't. I don't know why that is. Could it be that if it were the other way around, we wouldn't need faith? I think God is sovereign over these seasons. See, we'll take one season and expect it to be the rule. There are seasons where it's just wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. There are other times like, God, where are you? I mean, Melba Toast. It can be that way in our devotional life. It doesn't matter, even if we don't sense or feel anything, God is there and deposits are going in. Isaiah 45, 15, truly you are a God who hides himself. Huh? I don't like that or prefer that, but God has His reasons. God has His reasons. I mean, there have been glorious seasons where God has visited us sovereignly by His Spirit. Some of y'all remember back in that season we were in in 1997, 98, I mean, dear me, the glory of God was so real. It was so heavy and dense. The kabod of God, the glory of God. It was like someone would just lay a lead blanket over us. And there were times we'd be incapacitated for hours on end. There were times I couldn't move for hours a day for several weeks on end because God was drawing near in His sovereignty. He was coming near and He was bearing down. There have been times in intercession that I have shaken so violently under the presence of the Lord that had you walked in, you would have thought it was a deliverance session. You would have thought, what is, what is that? I mean, coming out of it in a sweat. I mean, God was bearing down so much. I mean, I just twitched just for, for a couple of years. That's why we're going to need a glorified body in heaven because you get near the king of glory in this state, we'll just we'll just explode. So he's going to have to give us a glorified body so we can get near to him and not explode. People say, why do people manifest sometimes? You know, it's just, well, they just kind of get near that power source. I say, is that God? No, that's just their reaction to God. Once even writing a newsletter about what God was doing here. Someone read it in the States. Just reading a newsletter about what God was doing, the power of God just knocked him out. No one prayed. There was no worship team. Just reading a newsletter. Power of God just, they had no context for it. No point of reference for it. But again, sometimes we can take one season. Try to make it the rule. And see, that's where God's sovereignty comes in. We want the dove, but we don't want a man-made pigeon. Okay? We want the Holy Spirit to come. 
and to come on His terms and to come in His way. Our role is to be hungry and to be postured before Him, whatever you want to do. It's not going to be like the last time. It's, and we thank you for all you've done. But if there's something you want to do, you know, here we are. We're positioned. We're hungry. We're walking upright before you by grace. It's all by grace. And we're going to be confident in God. In the times we sense Him, we're going to be confident in God, even when we don't. Faith means just that, confidence in God. Confidence in God. Confidence in God. David had it. I mean, dear me, when he went up against Goliath, I mean, either he had confidence or he was an idiot, one, one or the other. Maybe his cheese fell off his cracker. I don't know, but, I, you know, but it was proven by its fruit. How dare you, you uncircumcised Philistine. He's just a little runt, but he had spent time out with God, and he built up a secret history in God, and that worship put muscle on him and made him unusually confident. A gift of faith is when we're just emptied of doubt and unbelief, you see. And it just causes you to do things that in the natural you wouldn't naturally do. We trust, though, even His unconscious presence, that that too is a powerful reality. It is. You know, when it comes to visions and dreams, encounters, we do realize that God sovereignly sets up those events. They cannot be manipulated Humanly, question, are we convinced He is with us even if we don't feel anything? We must. We must. You see, the author of Hebrews thought it was a very important matter to lay out when stating, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see or we could say or feel. There was even a commendation here as it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. And again, without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. Dr. R.T. Kendall, who's one of my favorite ministers, who pastored 25 years in Westminster Chapel in London, he said, which gives you more satisfaction, knowing that you are pleasing God or having God please you? Think about that for a moment. All right, now catch this. When we feel God's presence, He is pleasing us. But when we don't feel Him consciously, and we serve Him still and are convinced and confident that He loves us, and we go forward still, we're pleasing Him. When we feel Him, oh, it's fun. He's pleasing us. But if we don't sense anything and we go forward faithfully by faith, we're pleasing Him. And we're commended for that. That's the way of faith. And I say this as a person who loves the presence of God, loves to feel God. Again, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. I want to please Him. I love being pleased by God, but I also want to Please Him. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So we make it our goal to please God, whether we are at home or in the body or away from it. And sometimes I think we're tested by what we feel or by what we don't sense. And maturity is measured by going forward regardless of what we feel. Why do we go forward 
whether the feelings are there or not, because we're bond servants. It's like, God, if you bless me, wonderful. But even if I don't sense it, I go forward in you. Why? I'm a bond servant. I'm not in this thing because, ooh, I felt that. Ooh. I love it. But if I'm just addicted to that only, and I can't go forward if I don't sense that, then I cease to be a bond servant. It's like, I love it. Turn the spigot on. But if it's not there, I'm still going forward. If there's perplexity, if there's unanswered questions, I'm still going forward. If I'm vexed and I feel like there's blood in my eyes and I can't quite see and I don't understand what God's doing, I'm going forward. The next 25 years are going to come because we're going to come and we're going to go forward when we feel it and when we don't. Good times, bad times, when we're in the vice grip and when everything is just tipping through the garden. It's as if the wind's at our back. And in those tough times of being tested, that's when he's like, wow, look at them, look at them. Look at them, they've got no props. They've got nothing but me. I'm their prop. And they're taking my promise and they're laying hold of it. Love that. Bond servants, receiving our joy from knowing that we're pleasing to the Lord. Are you pleasing to Him this morning? If you're living by faith, I believe that you are. I believe that you are. In His sovereignty, He allows us to feel. But He can also pull back for the purpose of growth. That's faith. Can we live like that? We don't have a choice. We have to. We have to. I mean, is it just me or do you have a little ebb and flow in your life? Just curious. Is everything wall-to-wall Holy Ghost in your house? Just ecstasy. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Any trials? No trials. Any challenges? Oh, no, I'm on the mountaintop. Well, night, glad to know you. What's your name? Let me know when you come down, you see. And I love the mountaintop. The mountaintop is great, but we learn our deeper lessons many times in the valley. That's when that root goes down. I don't feel squat. I don't feel diddly. Diddly what? I'll just check in. All right, just making sure I'm. I don't feel diddly, but I can lean on this word. And he goes, That pleases me. I'm pleasing God. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? Question Are your prayers effective when you feel anointed, or are your prayers effective? Period. Where's their chapter and verse? If you feel anointed and you got goosebumps on goosebumps, your prayers were. Really effective. No, it's the laws of sowing and reaping. You just sow. Whether you feel it, whether you don't, I'm sowing. My job is to sow. It's his job to pour down the blessing, to pour down the answer. I didn't feel anything. Who cares? Galatians says God's not mocked. What you sow, you'll reap. If you sow to the Spirit, we'll reap somewhere. It may be in that moment. It may be a week down the street, but you'll reap. So it's great when we sense him. Love it. Love it. I love it when He's pleasing us. But then there are those times it's like, I don't get it, but it's okay. He hears me. I'm speaking into the very ears of God. He's El Roy, the God who sees. And He sees and He's watchful. He hadn't forgotten. He's not on vacation. He's not bored. He's not in the other room looking at TV. He sees it all. And we have confidence in the fact God sees. God sees. God sees. When reading Scripture, is a good deposit going into you when you're hitting a gusher of revelation or through the mere reading and just faithful reading of truth? 
I mean, sometimes it's like, whoa, heavy, ready. Other times it's like, ah, dear Lord, I mean, I just, I don't even know if I could put two sentences together. Something's still going in you just by opening that bad boy. You open that bad boy, the devil's like, dear Lord. Just open it. People say, how do I read the Bible? Just open it and start. I mean, I know there are principles. I know there's hermeneutics and proper biblical exegesis, but just, just open it. Let, it. let it do its work in us. Amen? When we share our faith in the gospel, are you effective when you feel as if you have a silver tongue or when you just faithfully put it out there for the hearer? Our yardstick of judgment is a funny thing. I heard one minister say years ago on the front end of his ministry, he went out, he was invited to do this Bible study on the south side of Raleigh. And he went out there and he did this Bible study. Some people came out and he shared. And he told the host when it was over with, he goes, you know, I just felt like I really bombed that. She said, don't you dare. He was like, what do you mean? She goes, don't you dare dig up with doubt the very seed you just planted by faith. You just spent 40 minutes giving the word. It's not about whether you felt anything. You gave them the word of God. Don't you dare. I mean, I bet he just kind of like, yes, ma'am. Kind of like, you know, school teacher, pop. Yes, ma'am. Don't you dare dig up and doubt that seed you planted in faith. Oh, love that. That's funny. When we feel that we're at our worst, what God can happen. There are times when you feel like you're at worst, there can be the greatest production of fruit. In those moments. Seems like I read somewhere when you're weak, you're strong. I love it when God is pleasing us. But then there's those times it's like I don't necessarily feel anything, but it's okay. I'm a bond servant. I'm gonna please him. I'm gonna take what I know. God, give me a word. Give me a word. Did you do the last thing he told you? No, but give me a word. It's more sexy to have a prophet say something than just to open the Bible and just hear it and something that's been given to you before and just walk in it and milk that for all it's worth. It's like, well, until he speaks again, I'm going to be faithful to what he's given me because he's in control and his sovereignty of what he gives and how he gives it. We can't manipulate him to do it. Love it when he pleases us. But we're going to please him. We're going to please Him whether we sense or feel anything or not. We're bond servants. I'm thanking God for 25 years. Some of y'all don't know that it wasn't all hunky-dory. There was faith. There was hope against hope. There was pushing through trials. There were times there was deep persecution that many of you will never hear about or know about. But it was okay. We passed through. Someone says, I'm really going through it. That's all right, going through it. Going through it. Going through, don't, don't park in the wilderness. Go on, learn the lessons. We're going through. But that's not the end of the story. That's just a season. Seasons have a beginning. Seasons have an end. And as we're faithful and desire to please God, He'll bring us through it 
And it's amazing, another decade will go by, another, and we'll say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Would you stand to your feet? Just want to leave you with a little tidbit here today. We're doing okay in the house today. Am I telling you the truth or am I lying to you? Raise your hands to the Lord if you would. Father, we just thank you. You've been so amazing to this people. Lord, you've been so amazing to this house. We just thank you, God, for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, I just pray that everyone here would know and feel the pleasure of the Father, the pleasure of the one who sent Jesus to die, that there would be a growing of confidence in the inner man. I know that I know that I know in whom I've believed. And I thank you that he who began a good work in me will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Individuals have destiny. Churches have destiny. Nations have destiny. We're celebrating the destiny on this house and what God has done over 25 years. But you individually have destiny. This island of Guam has destiny. And we contend for it. Sometimes we may want to give up like, dear Lord, I just, I don't know if I can believe again. I've tried to believe and didn't come through here, here, and here. That's all right. We're going to please God and walk by faith. We're going to stay the course and watch what God does as he flexes his muscles. Watch him prove himself again and again and again. But Lord, having said that, Lord, you do love to love on your people. So I just pray you love on them right now. Love on them. Love, let them feel the nearness of your care, the touch of your love, the favor of the Father. We believe it theologically, but oh, it's so wonderful to experience it. Deep in the inner man, let it become a reality. And I just declare a greater experience from the presence of the Lord over these people, oh God, a greater knowledge of you, a greater encounter that will take us and take them the distance, the distance, the distance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just give them permission right now at your seat to do something new in you. See, I just ask you, just do something new. Just give me new vision, new dreams. Just give me, just open my eyes to see what you see. To know what you know. He'll always do right by you. Come on, give him a big praise. Big praise. Big praise.